July 4th, 2010. Today's Dharma talk is on the five implements of skillful means. I'm not sure about you, but I've had experiences in my life where I thought something was a good idea, something I might try, or some project I might undertake, and it would soon after find myself not completing what I set out to do. With the best of intentions, we come up with projects or determinations only to find that we never finish them, or perhaps never even really begin. How many of us have successfully followed our New Year's resolutions through to the end of the year? Today is roughly halfway through the year. How many of our resolutions have we seen to completion? How many of the goals we laid out for ourselves have we seen come to fruition at this halfway point in the year? Even our Buddhist practice, begun with good intention, sometimes languishes in our pile of incomplete or half-attempted objectives. While some projects are easily completed and free us to move on to others, there are others that are much more complicated and require longer time to complete and more effort to resolve. Attaining enlightenment, while theoretically possible, in actuality proves much more difficult. The path to enlightenment is a long one, requiring continued effort, for there really is no terminus at which point we can say we are done. Enlightenment is not merely an objective, but a process as well, for there is no there there. Setting out to do laundry is not the same as setting out to become enlightened. Sure, this seems silly and obvious, and an understatement even, yet in many ways they are identical for they involve many of the same kinds of steps, just perhaps over a longer period of time and with different amounts of efforts and skills. So what is common about such mundane chores as house cleaning or laundry or grocery shopping and striving for enlightenment? What is common? What is a common factor that we can identify in each of these that we might be able to actually use as a tool for completing the most difficult of tasks? Recently, one of the temple's members donated a book to the temple titled The Essentials of Buddhist Meditation, The Essentials for Practicing Calming and Insight, and Dhyana Meditation, by Chihi, translated by Bhikshu Dharma Mitra, published by Kalavinka Press, 2009. In this book, there is one little section titled Utilizing Skillful Means. In that section, Chihi says that it is necessary to employ various skillful means as entryways to the Dharma, and he lists five of them. I was struck by how universal they actually were, how they would be beneficial to anyone, regardless of the undertaking they were embarked upon, and of course how completely correct they are for our undertaking of a practice of the Dharma. It is possible to see their truth in some of the most simple of undertakings, which may help to illustrate the truth of these principles, which are translated as zeal, vigor, mindfulness, discernment, and single-mindedness. In some cases, the word used by the translator is somewhat misleading, but in all cases, the translator offers other words to be sure we are clear about the meaning. The first one, zeal, is also given as aspiring to, having fondness for, or taking pleasure in. This points out the fact that as we undertake any endeavor, we must first of all have a motivation for doing so. We have an aspiration to accomplish something or a liking to see something done. In other words, we clearly need to have some motivation to propel us into action. In the example of laundry, we have a desire to have clean clothes available for us to wear, and so we formulate an aspiration for this. We have a fondness for clean laundry, perhaps even folded and put away in drawers, as opposed to laying all over the floor in our bed or bathroom. <clears throat> Funny, huh? And yet, 
Aren't we constantly, as Buddhists, cultivating a mindfulness, a desire to clean the laundry of our lives? Sir John Denham says in his The Sophy, A Tragedy, quote, nothing happens until something moves, end quote. And so it is. Nothing will happen in our lives until we actually do something. However, merely doing something without employing skillful means may lead to unexpected and unfavorable results. As in the case of zeal or aspiring, if we do not have a clear motivation for accomplishing something, then we may become unclear or lose our purpose in the endeavor. The second, vigor, is also given as not quitting until the end. Quoting from the translation, when one employs a friction drill to start a fire, so long it is, as it has not become hot, one must refrain from resting, end quote. In other words, we not only have to continue until the conclusion, <clears throat> we must also be as resolute and as determined halfway through as we were when we first began. If we stop halfway, then our result will not be achieved. Russell Crowe says, quote, I like villains because there's something so attractive about a committed person. They have a plan and an ideology, no matter how twisted they are motivated, end quote. Imagine, if we have formed the idea for clean laundry, then put it all in the wash and never take the time to or make the effort to dry them. Well, I suppose they would eventually dry on their own, but uh, probably mildew or they would certainly at least be wrinkled. I'm not sure about you, but this idea doesn't fit in with my original idea of clean clothes folded and put in drawers. I'm not sure if this is any better than merely picking up the clothes off the floor and rewearing them. So, too, with our effort to attain enlightenment, to become Buddhists, manifest in our present form. If we cultivate the desire to accomplish this but fail to follow through to completion, we are not certain to attain our goal. We cannot quit halfway and expect favorable results. Number three in Chihi's list is mindfulness. Here it is important to be keenly aware of every aspect of our aspiration and our motivation, our effort for all of its good and bad outcomes. <clears throat> if we become too focused on our aspiration and our effort, then we may fail to observe subtle changes occurring that may require us to make alterations in our strategy. An example of this, going back to the laundry analogy, is if we are so focused on washing our clothes, so intent on our objective, we may not be aware that we have some item of white clothing mixed in with the darks, which may come out as colored. Or the reverse, some item of dark clothing in with the whites, to which we have added bleach. Or it is possible to make many other mistakes, being so focused on the act of running a washing machine full of clothing that we are not mindful of what we are actually doing. A recent example of something uh, that happened to me occurred the other day as the temple hosted a group of 12 students and their professor. I was so focused on seating them all at the table for lunch so that we could all eat together that when it came time to seating everyone so they could perform the meditative practice of shakyo, copying the Buddha's image or scripture passages, I used the same seating arrangement. What this amounted to was crowding everyone around tables in the kitchen. What I failed to consider in my focused but not mindful action was that I could have, for the shakyo and shabutsu, set the three tables up in separate rooms, allowing everyone more space to carry out the activity. I caused needless discomfort to others because of my failing to see other possibilities. 
I'm not sure if this has ever happened to you or not. Number four is discernment. This is a critical point and one dependent upon the previous one, mindfulness. It is necessary for us to be constantly making assessments of our actions, constantly determining the merits of the gains against the losses, the worthless against the valuable. In the case of mindfulness and discernment, we might say that the two go hand in hand. If we are too closed off to our environment, too preoccupied with things and not observant with what is going on and around and within us, then we may fail to make correct and meaningful judgments. We may become blind to the impact of our efforts, so much so that we fail to see harm until it is too late. In the case of laundry, we can see that it is important to judge the value of many things, such as the soap used, the water temperature, the machine cycle, and so forth. If we do not make observations and then adjustments based upon those observations, then we may not get favorable results. The same is especially true in our Buddhist practice. For we must constantly challenge ourselves to see what is effective in our practice and what is not, which teaching is correct and which is not. We must see where we may be taking shortcuts in our practices and thereby cutting us off from maximum benefit. We constantly need to make course corrections or observations of our performance if we are to prevent major detours or distractions or even possible abandonment of our goal. Without constant fine-tuning our lives, we may actually take the wrong path or even possibly suffer a major defeat or setback. Against these last two, we must have a single-mindedness, a determination not to be distracted, to not be led astray from our objective. In many ways, we can look at these last three in terms of an equilateral triangle, where all the sides are equal and all the three angles are equal to each other. We must have, in good and equal measure, the three points of mindfulness so that we can be tuned in to everything that is happening, discernment, so that we can make wise choices based upon clear observations, and finally, a single-mindedness to not be distracted from our objective. Outside the triangle lies our objective, the thing we aspire to do. Inside the triangle lies our vigor, our energy, our motivation, which is controlled as it moves, is tempered as it acts, by the three sides of mindfulness, discernment, and single-mindedness. Thank you very much.